0: Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. We're talking about royalty today. Look at your neighbor and say, you're royal. You're royalty. Now look at your other neighbor and say, you're getting over it. You're getting over it. How many of you have something you need to get over? Let's just be real. Come on. How many of y'all are getting over it? You're, you're further over it than you were last week. I'm talking today about dominion. Everybody say dominion. Everybody say dominate. Say, I was created to dominate. Listen, there's when God set man in the garden, when he created the heavens and the earth, he put man in charge of everything that he created. And he said, listen, this is the mandate for humanity to rule and reign on the earth, right? And so we know what happened, right? Man gave up control, right? God said, it's all yours, rule over it. And then man, instead of ruling over it, allowed temptation to rule over him. Come on, are you with me? And he gave away, through the fall, through what Adam, when Adam and Eve sinned, they gave away our authority as royalty, and they said they forfeited by choosing sin. How many of you know that when you sin, you forfeit your authority in that moment over that sin? You said that sin is more powerful than my forgiveness, and so you choose to give into that sin. Come on, and you say you, what you're saying is you're saying that sin. Is more powerful than what Jesus did On the cross It's not But that's how you're acting Y'all alright So Adam and Eve gave away that authority in the garden But how many know that Jesus Came he got the keys back Come on He gave you your game back, and he put you in the game. He said, you got the keys of the kingdom. You're ruling and reigning with me on the earth. And he established, reestablished that authority. This is what Jesus came for. He came to reestablish what he established in the garden. We lost it in the garden. Jesus got it back. So we were created. Listen, it's not for our own kingdom. It's not for Josh Brown's ruling and reigning. It's for the ruling and reigning of King Jesus on the earth. And by us responding to him, we rule and reign with him. Revelation 5.10, you have made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. So you're created to reign. You're created to reign with God's dominion on the earth. Jesus said this whenever he got the keys back. Come on, this is after the resurrection, Matthew 28. We talk about the Great Commission. Listen, the Great Commission is really about this, expanding God's dominion on the earth, right? So he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. So Jesus says, I have the authority, you're in me, therefore go. Go into all the nations, preaching the gospel, casting out sickness, casting out demons, casting out disease. Go. Go with what? The dominion that has been given to Jesus has been given to us. Dominion. Everybody say dominion. So Jesus has a plan still today, just as he did in the garden, a plan for global domination. Let's just just be real about it. God's plan is to rule the entire world. That's his plan. But he doesn't do it through forceful dictatorship. He he does it through love. And that's why in the garden he said, let man do it by loving me, by having connection with me, and this is how we'll rule on the earth. But dominion, if you guys will look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you'll see that Jesus said, that it's going to start here in Jerusalem, Judea, and go to the uttermost parts of the world. other words, dominion starts in one place, boom, and expands out. Many times, we are obsessed with the dominion in here. How many of you know dominion starts with you? It starts with the choices that you make. It starts with the way that we love our neighbor. So dominion starts here. In my Jerusalem, right? And in my Judea and the uttermost parts of the world. So God's created you for dominion, but many times we're super obsessed with this. Most are not concerned with, with increasing God's dominion because they're consumed with personal issues. Can I tell you that if you would see yourself as ambassadors for Christ, that you would see yourself, your purpose on the earth is to be about God's dominion. If you could see yourself that way, your issues wouldn't be that big. But we are so self-consumed and self-absorbed with our issues that, that gets that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And Jesus said, if you'll seek the kingdom, the king's dominion, God's dominion, God's reign on the earth, he'll make sure everything else is taken care of. Matthew 6.33, right? But most are consumed, so concerned, with their own dominion. And we should be concerned with that because it's hindering us. But we should not be self-absorbed and self-consumed by it. We should understand this is an attack of the enemy. So we're going to talk today really about personal dominion. Y'all all right? That was a long intro. <laughs> now listen, most of us are overwhelmed, over exhausted, overworked, overstressed and stressed, over pressured and overburdened. But God wants you to get over what you've been under so you can get about ruling and reigning and being about the business of King Jesus on the earth. So all the things that are over you, that you feel burdened by, that you feel stressed by, that are weighing you down, Jesus wants you to get on top of that issue so you can be so, stop being so self-absorbed and be about his business and do what he's created you to do and to find what real life is all about, not just life, but life more abundantly, the overflow. So God wants you to get over it. Whatever's holding you down, he wants you to get over it. That's what Jesus came for whether it be a mindset, an insecurity, a sin issue, it's time to rule over what's been holding you down. So look at your neighbor and say, get over it. Say, I'm getting over it. Let's get over it. Romans 8. Y'all good? Listen, if you came to me and said, Pastor Josh, I want to memorize some scripture, I'd say, that's awesome. You should want to do that. If you said, what? I want to memorize a whole chapter of the Bible. What should I memorize? I would say memorize Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is what I like to call the victory discourse, and uh, it's, it's amazing. It, it, just reading it will set you free, and some of you that are dealing with issues day in, day out, day in, day out, I just encourage you, don't worry about everything else in the scriptures right now in this season. Right now, just get into Romans 8, read it every day, pray it every day, just start believing God for that. Get it. Get in the word until the word gets into you. And just get into it. Absorb yourself in Romans 8, chapter 8. If that's the only chapter in the Bible that you read every day, read Romans 8. Just get into it. Get into it until it gets into you and it changes your life. We know. 828. We know. Everybody say, we know this. That God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purposes. Now, how many of us are called according to his purposes? All of us, the mandates for all of us, we're all called to go to the globe and expand the dominion, right? So we know, we know, we know this, that God causes everything to work together for the good that those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Notice that it doesn't say God causes everything, period. Well, God causes everything happens for a reason. Sometimes the reason is you make stupid choices, so don't blame God for all the mess-ups and the hiccups in the world or in your life. He, Listen, finish that. God causes everything to work. So no difficulty, no trial, no frustration goes to waste. Everything that the enemy throws at you, every brick that he throws at you, you're building walls. You're like, all right, I'll use this, and I'll get up on top of this one. Come on, bring another one, because God's going to use it. For those that are called... According to his purposes. Yalara? Right? Those who love him and you love him? Hope so. For God knew his people in advance. <laughs> Can you believe that? That God knew you just like you were and he still picked you. Isn't that awesome? Man, I get overwhelmed by that. And he chose them to be like his son. Well, I'm having a hard time being like Jesus. God chose you to be like Jesus so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them, and come, uh, called them to come to him. Having called them, he gave them right standing with himself, righteousness. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Mm, we're going to talk about glory next week, the splendor of royalty. We're going to finish up our series next week. What, like, What does that look like to, pos- to, to, to possess the glory of God? or better yet have the glory of God possess you. Hmm? What shall we say about such wonderful things? So he's like Paul's writing and he's like, "Whoa! What are we going to say about it?" If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not even spare his own son, but gave his son up for us, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares us? Whom God is uh, uh, who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. Who can accuse us? Who can? Well, you don't know by we. For Christ died for us and was raised to life for us, that he is sitting in the, one, in, in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us, making intercession for us rooting for you, representing you before the throne of God. I tell you, I've known some prayer warriors in my life, and it's comforting to know that they pray for me. Jesus is in heaven not just praying for you, but representing you to the Father in righteousness. So when the enemy accuses you, Jesus goes, I took care of that. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or in persecution or hungry or destitute or in danger and threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory. Everybody say overwhelming. Oh, not just, listen, not just victory. Overwhelming victory. Isn't it interesting that everything in the walk In Christ is always more than enough I've lacked to find the scripture I know a lot of people live like this But I can't find the scripture that God gives us just enough I've heard a lot of people say that But really what the pattern I see in scripture is God is an overabundant God Overwhelming victory is ours Through Christ who loved us How many know I'm preaching for you today Come on listen I want you to understand a few things about opposition Opposition Let's talk about opposition. How many of you faced opposition this week? Come on. How many of you faced opposition this year at some point? It it got tough. How many know that that's normal? How many know you cannot escape opposition? It's going to come. Let's talk about it. Number one, opposition will come. These are some realities about opposition. Listen, no battle, no victory. Remember how God gave the children of Israel the city of Jericho? god had given it to them but they still had to go possess it it was already theirs but there was still an action that was involved in the children of israel to possess that city dominion is a process dominion means you're taking over something come on i mean oh there's weeds in that field there's a treasure in that field but there's also weeds you got to pull the weeds no battle, no victory. See, we, want, we say, oh, man, I just, I'm just waiting for my victory, but these battles keep coming. How many know that if you don't have any battles, you don't have any victory? Not freedom, for the, not freedom from the battle, but freedom in it. Freedom for it. Dominion means we're taking new ground. It, is, it does not mean that we can pray or believe away our troubles, but I can have victory in the midst of them. So no matter what hardship you're going through, at home at work at school no matter what hardship you're going through you can have freedom john 16:33 in this world promise promise scripture in this world you will have troubles bumper sticker material christian t-shirt material in this world you will have troubles It's good if you notice the next part, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You're going to have troubles. You're going to have hardships. You're going to have rough days. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to get negative reports, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So opposition will come. It's going to be there. Some form or the other, it's going to come. Number two, opposition will refine you. But it does not define you. So it's absolutely true that opposition will make you better. Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, they're good people. They didn't get that way by having everything, by being fed a silver spoon. Listen, you are not what has happened to you, you are not defined by the snapshot of your worst moments. Let me tell you that right now. We live in a, in a society that we see everybody's highlight reel. You get on social media, you see everybody's best day, their best smile, all that makeup on, pretty. Highlight reel, highlight reel, highlight reel. And you live according to your worst moment. Let me tell you, I will never, ever, ever judge you on your worst moment because you are not the sum of your mistakes. You're going to screw up, you're going to blow it, you're going to have bad moments. That is not your highlight reel. So stop comparing your moment of weakness To somebody else's best moments You're not defined by that snapshot We will not judge anyone on their worst moment We'll speak to potential Now how many know there's a difference between moments and lifestyles Come on, we might be having a conversation about some lifestyles. Not talking about moments, talking about behaviors. Come on. Listen, opposition is more about, is not about something wrong with you, but something that's right in you. Opposition comes because the devil, too, has an assignment. That leads us to number three. Number three is opposition is an indicator. It's an indicator. It's an indicator that you have purpose. It's an indicator that you have destiny. It's an indicator that God loves you. And it's an indicator that the devil hates you because you are full of destiny and full of potential in Jesus. The devil hates you. He'll attempt to destroy you. He's afraid of what you can do to him and his plan. See, you are a threat to the devil. You're a threat. Well, Jesus is a threat. Jesus Jesus already dealt with it. You're a threat because you're the ones that have the keys of the kingdom. So if the enemy can come to you and convince you that you can do nothing for God, whether he be getting you into sin or shame or discouragement, if he can convince you, he can stop you. So opposition is an indicator. When you wake up, all hell breaks loose. And they go, we're going to stop this guy. Listen, I, I say this all the time, and I'll just keep saying it. The devil's not on your back. He's on your side. If he's not attacking you, then, it's, then you're probably not in a very good place. Because you have destiny. You have purpose. Look at the disciples. Twelve people followed Jesus on the earth. Twelve very closely. You know how many of those did not die following Well, one of them took care of his own death. All the other disciples, except for John... All died a martyr's death. You don't think that they've faced... What can we expect? Any? You think people aren't going to persecute you for your faith? You don't think there's going to be... I guarantee you, if you are following Jesus like you're supposed to, the devil is on a prowl to stop you. Listen. Just because... And let me say this also, because sometimes we're going after something that God's called us to go after, and we keep running into roadblocks, And we go, well, I guess it's just not the will of God. Uh, It's so hard. I don't think God's in it. I think if God told you and put it in your heart, then don't question God when it gets difficult. You go, well, I'm just going for it. Until God tells you no. If God told you yes, you keep going until he tells you no. And go, well, well, it's just so difficult. Breakthrough is right there. You just keep digging in, grit your teeth, and just go for it. You go for what God's called you to do, and don't be distracted because it's difficult. Just because it's it's difficult doesn't mean it's not God's will. And most people bail on what is God's will, and they give up because they're like, well, it's just a closed door. Is it a closed door? Or does Jesus want you to knock and keep on knocking? not saying that God doesn't speak through closed doors, because he definitely does. But when you know that God has an assignment for your life, don't you just go, well, wish the way, it's not the will of God, so I'll keep fighting for it. In more cases than not, opposition is an indicator that we're doing the right thing. You have to go through things to get to new places. Now our choice in that, look at the children of Israel Our choice in that will determine Sometimes how long that difficult season is The children of Israel Were on a You know just like a two week journey Basically to get to the Promised land and they ended up being there for 40 years Because they couldn't get it right in the desert How many know that God's calling you through the desert not to the desert But your choices In the desert might dictate how long It'll be before you get to the promise Let's just be real it was never God's plan for them to spend 40 years in the wilderness. Never. It was not the plan of God. But they were probably going around and going, well, God's just going to take care of us. And he did. Well, I guess it's just not God's will. The battle would be easy. So let's talk about realities in releasing dominion. So we, we talked about opposition. It's going to be there. But the Dominion in my life is not about the opposition that's coming, but in my ability to overcome the opposition. And doesn't listen, that doesn't necessarily mean the opposition won't be there tomorrow. It just means that I am not moved by it. Number one, and I'm just going to give you guys some some peas here. y'all all right, make this easy. Number one, realize that you are positioned for triumph. You're positioned for triumph. You are positioned to win. You're positioned to win because of what Jesus has done. Romans 8, 37. We just read this. Overwhelming victory is ours, not it's going to be ours. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Listen, did you know that your victory is already paid for? Listen, what sin initiated the cross eliminated. What sin initiated, the cross eliminated. The will of God is for you to walk in dominion. You've been positioned for this. Over all manner of sin, all, all manner of sickness, all, all, over all manner of sorrow, of shame, it's God's will that you walk above these things. It's the will of God. What's, think of anything that wasn't there before the fall. And then what was introduced because of the fall? What was introduced because of the fall? Sickness, death, shame, all these things. Oppression, all these things initiated at the fall. The cross eliminated those things. The cross eliminated those things. Those things have no power. Well, just don't know the will of God. Read your Bible, you'll know the will of God. It's pretty clear. If God is for us, and I love this, when, when, when we realize, when you're going through difficulties, when you're going through hardships, if you just realize, if God is for me, I mean, tomorrow is Monday. You're probably going to have several opportunities, probably when the alarm goes off, to go, if God is for me, I don't have to hit the snooze button again. You know what? What I found is when is I live with purpose, so it's easy for me to wake up every day. Just live for live live on purpose for a purpose. If God is for me, it's just it makes it so easy to go. I mean, I know what you're thinking. Well, if I just say that, listen, you've got to get this. I, I know, I know, but you don't know. We say that, right? Oh, I know. I know what the Bible says. Listen, don't give me, don't get all super spiritual with me and try to quote the Bible when your mindset isn't there. You keep speaking the word, you keep declaring that. But understand, sometimes you just need to be real about it and go, man, this is where I'm at. But, but you know what? God is for me. And it, you just keep declaring that until you believe it. And don't get all like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm so blah, 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 and everything's just wonderful. And look at my fake little smile. Listen, that doesn't help anybody. And it doesn't help you. Be real and go, this is where I'm at. I really don't want to be awake right now. But if God's for me, and I'm pretty sure he is. I'm about 60% sure today. That's better than 40%. Is he for you? Is he? Y'all all right? Listen, understand, he has positioned you for triumph because the devil is a defeated foe. 1 John 3, 8, the Son of God appeared to, for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Destroy the works of the devil. Sin, sickness, disease, sorrow, destroy the works of the devil. This is why he appeared. This is why Jesus came upon the scene, is to destroy everything that the enemy has done. Well you know the Bible says that the devil's like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, yeah, seeking whom he may devour, so don't be devourable. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. He don't like you. He's gonna attack you. Just get ready for it. Because you got purpose. Well, first John 5 4. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. Well, you're a pastor. Everyone born of God overcomes overcomes, well, I don't have as much, everyone born of God, well, I just got saved last, everyone born of God, well, you don't know why, everyone born of God overcomes the world, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith, who is it that overcomes the one, uh, the world, only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God, how do I overcome, you believe, and when you don't believe, and when your faith is lacking, you go, Lord, I believe, 30% help my unbelief. And he goes, All right, let me help you with that. We are more than conquerors. The the, The other translation says this We are more than conquerors. Overwhelming victory is ours. We are more. Everybody say more. More than conquerors. We together, together, we together are more. We are. Maybe not your current situation, but it's the greater reality. We together are our current state more. And it's greater than winning. We are dominating. We're not just like, the score is not like 51 to 50. It's like 5,000 to zero. We are really winning this thing. We are really dominating. We are more than conquerors. As soon as God shows up in the garden, what, what was the promise he gave through Jesus? He said, "And you will cru- he, he'll snap your heel, but you will crush his head. You will crush his head. So, understand. It's yours. You're positioned for this. This victory is yours. It's yours for the taking. It's yours. Everybody say, it's mine. Overwhelming victory. Is ours. We, together, are, this is our reality, more. We have more than just enough. Lord, if you just give me enough. He wants to give you more than you to get through the day. Come on. Or through the week, even. That word, um, it, it's hypernikeo, hypernekeo, which means, this is where we get the word Nike, the word victory. We are more than hyper then. You see the, you see the word hyper a lot in scripture. Life more abundantly. Hyper. It's this adjective that it uses in the Greek to talk about that it's a more, that it's an abundance. It's hyper. It's hyper grace. Right? Hyper overcoming. Don't claim grace if you're not overcoming. That's what the grace is there for. Hopper overcomer. Nike. Shoes. Crush. There you go. All right, number two. So some of you need to invest in your spiritual devil head-crushing materials. All right, number two, the practice of prayer. The practice of prayer. How many know that Jesus had a prayer life? (laughs) If Jesus needs a prayer life, I need a prayer life. (laughs) Right. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, Well, I just don't know how much, you know, when people are discouraged, when I'm dealing, when, because I, you know, people talk to me and and I'm gracious. When people come to me and they're like, man, I just don't, I just feel so overwhelmed. I just don't know what I'm going to do. You know what I ask them? I'm like, man, how's your prayer life? Uh Oh, well, not as good as it should be. Almost, almost always. There's like 1% of the time they'll be like, oh yeah, I'm I'm praying every day. And they're probably lying. (laughs) Let's just be real. Jesus was deeply opposed two times, remember? Once in the desert and the other in the garden, right? Both times we found him praying. What's interesting is when we start going through difficult seasons or a difficult time, the enemy convinces us that prayer is not a good place to be because we feel disconnected from God. Sometimes we're a little bitter at God and those types of things. So we actually resist the place of prayer whenever that's the place that we need to get to to be able to get through what we're going into. So the enemy convinces you somehow to say, well, I don't have time for it. Or I'm not feeling connected with God. Mark 14, 38, keep watching and pray so that you do not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Watch and pray. Pray. We can go into watch, but we're not going to today. Pray. Watch and pray. So that you don't give in. Listen, if you can't find some time in your day to encounter the presence of Jesus, you will never find resolve in the midst of opposition. Counseling's not going to help you. Medication's not going to help you. The only thing that's going to help you is the presence of Jesus. And if it is valuable enough for you to be an overcomer, then you're going to have to get in the presence of Jesus and develop a relationship with your king. Number three, the posture of praise. The posture of praise. The posture of praise. We're not talking about you coming to church and you're like, praise the Lord. We're talking about a posture we're talking about an attitude of gratitude. We're talking about a reality that, that doesn't say, oh, it's all good. Everything's just okay. But a, but a reality that says, I am more than a conqueror because of what Jesus has done. That this becomes your mode, your posture. So what I found is that sometimes I need to demonstrate my posture. Right? Right? I mean, my posture is praise for most of the time. Leslie probably thinks it's about forty. I'm thinking probably like seventy most days. So my posture, like I'm, I'm grateful. I'm thankful for God. I realize that I'm blessed. If if nothing else, I belong to Jesus. Like that's so worth a thousand songs in my day. And so most of the time, I'm, I'm in that mode, and sometimes I get out of it. But what i found is sometimes in order to get my posture right, I have to get my praise right. i got to proclaim what, where I need to be. And so sometimes what you need to do is you just need to get your praise on. Sometimes you just need to, like, come over here to, like, a little closet like this over here, and sometimes you just need to be at work, and you're like, oh, man, it's hard today. I don't know what's going to happen. Jesus! right you need to get your praise on so you can come out and you can walk in that splinter that's on you you just got to get away for a minute and get your heart recalibrated and be like lord i love you i'm so grateful i belong to the lord and even though you don't feel it you put it on like a garment second corinthians three seventeen says now the lord is spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there is freedom so we're not talking about, well, you don't know how hard my job is. You know how, how, how bad the doctor's report is. But, but the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. And wherever I am, he's there. Am I going to unleash his presence with my praise? Isaiah 6, 59 verse 19 says this. And we've, we're familiar with the scripture. Very, very popular passage of scripture. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. How many of you guys have heard this scripture? now let me give you a little bit of a a, a little bit of a, a mindset on this scripture. A lot of scholars and even the Hebrew language actually teach us that that the comma in that scripture is in the wrong place. so what we want to do is understand is when the enemy comes he's coming he's coming tomorrow might be on your. Right there next to your snooze button. When the enemy comes, move that that comma. Boom. I should have done it on the notes. Move that comma right there. When the enemy comes, or the enemy comes in, like a flood, listen, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Listen, the enemy comes. Let me read this so I'll get it right. Listen, like a flood, the Spirit comes and drives away the enemy like a rushing river. I mean, you guys ever seen something rushed away by the river, right? Now, they didn't have commas and all that in the Hebrew language. So the enemy comes in like a flood. The Lord goes, no, let's get rid of that. Stop. And then it says this, he will lift up a standard. You know what the standard is? The standard, the actual word is banner. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my victory. So the Lord lifts up a standard. What is the standard? The standard is a victory flag being waved going, we have won the battle. We have won the battle. So what happens when the enemy comes in, the Lord, boom, overtakes him with the flag. And he's like, we won the battle. We won the battle. I'm for you. When the enemy comes in, the Lord's coming like a river. And he listen, he is coming. By his spirit, he is coming. He is Jehovah Nisi. He is my banner. He is my victory. And he's saying, will you just praise me? Will you just celebrate me in the moment of your difficulty? Because where my spirit is, there is freedom. Where my spirit is, there is victory. So would you just praise me and watch me come in and wash away what the enemy's doing? Hold up. So, you bring us presents. Well, how does the spirit of the Lord get there through people in the closet, in the car, in the prayer play, place of prayer? We we get depressed. We play some music. Nobody know, right? <laughs> Nobody knows my sorrow, right? <laughs> I feel so bad. Put your praise on. Get you something that will cause you to celebrate, to be grateful for what the Lord is, and you watch. I've done this, I've done this thousands of times in my walk. I'm discouraged. It's Monday. Oh, so uh, Father. Lord, I come to you. I won't be overwhelmed. Give me vision. And I just start singing. All of a sudden, I could feel the Spirit of God rising up in me. And I could actually see, it, in, kind of in the Spirit, I could just see it be washed away. All the oppression, all the frustration. You say, well, man, I do that. And it just keep, comes back. The problem is you let off the gas. The problem is you quit praising. You go, well, I, I tried that. That's the problem. You tried it. You quit trying it and just be it. Mm, Put it on. All right. Y'all all all right? I didn't preach last week, so I'm giving it all to you today. Number four, I kind of did. Y'all all right? So number one, we're positioned for triumph. Number two, the practice of prayer number 3 the posture of praise and number 4 the proper perspective when we're going through this and a lot of what we've been talking about today is getting your perspective lined up we need to start looking at things through heaven's perspective second corinthians chapter 4 we're going to read a few verses here and then we're going to skip over to verse 17 we are pressed on every side by troubles oh come on somebody we are not crushed so we're pressed, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. I'm not hopeless. It hurts, but I'm not hopeless. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. So the enemy is on the prowl. He's, he's looking for me. He's trying to take me out, but I'm not abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. I get knocked down, but I get up again, Right? not a worship song? <laughs> I think it is. I think somebody stole it. Somebody stole that song. The devil stole it. Verse 17. For our present troubles, and they real. My present troubles, they are real. But they're small, and they won't last very long. Yet they produce. Huh. <laughs> You say, oh, my my troubles are destroying me. No, no, no. Your, your, Your troubles are producing. He works all things. They're produced for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and that will last forever. So we do not look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. Now, I believe that that's talking about heaven, but I believe it's also talking about right now because sometimes we can't see the kingdom. Sometimes we know the is there, but we don't see it. Let's invest in the thing that we can't see, the kingdom. Because it's in us. We're getting it out of us, but it's in us. We got, we've got to shift our perspective. See, your strength in the battle is not really about how strong the battle is. The strength of the battle is 100% determined by the strength of your perspective. I'm not minimizing your difficulties. I know... What it's like to go through hardships, to go through difficulties, and, and man, our battle is real, and I and I get it. But we got to get our perspective right. I remember when I was a kid. I'm I'm closing with this, but when I was a kid, we uh, grew up in Odessa, Texas, West Texas, and we'd have you know you actually talk to your neighbors. But when you're you know, and when we were kids, we we wanted to like go talk to our neighbors so we would talk through the fence you know because we were just little you know now and then we got a little bit older and we could step up on that little deal right and we kind of look at the the the, uh, the beam of the fence and we'd step up on that and kind of look over but but every once in a while we need a little help to get like up on the fence or over the fence or up in the tree and so what, what we would do I don't even know what we called it but we would cup our hand like this and you would hold it there and your brother or your friend would use that hand like a stool, like a step. And you would stand up on there and they'd kind of they'd lift you up and, and help you get over what you've been under. And I think today that's what the Lord is doing.